Hey folks, it's Jeff Wenzel from the Woodshed Agency, and you are listening to my podcast called Successfully Funded. Here we go. Let's turn it up. All right, crowdfunders, how's everybody doing? You guys kicking off the week? Hopefully everybody is doing well out there in crowdfunding land. You've got your projects uh, firing on all cylinders. You're uh, raising that capital, you know? So coming up on today's episode, uh, I'm going to be talking with Jeffrey Wittenhagen from uh, the successful Kickstarter campaign, Nintendo Oddities and the Homebrew Revolution video game book. That was a mouthful. I'm going to say it again. Nintendo Oddities and the Homebrew Revolution video game book. Great, great conversation coming up later. If you were a fan of the old school Nintendo NES systems, you are going to love this conversation. Uh, My conversation with Jeffrey brought back a ton of memories uh, of games of games that I played a lot when I was much younger. So that conversation is coming up later. Um, so, so stick around for that. So I hope you guys are all having a, had a good weekend. You know, hope you guys, uh, you know, took it easy, relaxed a little bit. Uh, maybe some of you uh, enjoyed the Grammys. I think those are on tonight. I'm recording this on Sunday. Uh, but, but yeah, so it was a pretty good weekend, I got to say. Yeah, nothing too major went down. Uh, Saturday Night Live had a lot of funny skits on it. I don't know if you guys saw all that stuff. It's a lot of good stuff there. So, um, so I had an interesting exchange with um, a dude in email today, right? So, And I don't know where this stuff comes from. So if I see, let, let me give you a little backstory. If I see that you have a struggling Kickstarter campaign, I'll send you an email and I'll say, hey, do you want to talk to me? I've been doing this a lot. I got time for you. I'm willing to give you some time. You know, we just call. Just literally, here's my calendar. Pick a time. So I sent one of those out to a dude. Campaign's failing. You know, he's a couple. He's a weekend. Like, you should call me. This dude starts berating me over email in terms of what I've done in the past, right? So he's like, I, I searched you. I don't see anything. And I'm like, I don't know how you can't do that if you literally search my name. I mean, Google my name. Stuff comes up. So I don't know. Maybe they put it in in Ask Jeeves or something like that. Who the hell knows? You know, I was like, if you just Google me, you, you find a whole bunch of stuff. You know, so then I send him links. I'm like, well, here I am, you know. You know, he goes and he searches and he finds GBS Detroit and he, he emails me back. These are, this is nothing, you know, these aren't big campaigns. It's like, dude, it's like 111 campaigns. That's a lot of campaigns. Yeah, selling local music. Is that not one of the hardest things to sell in the world? Started in 2010 when Kickstarter first started. I mean, this is, you know, some quite quite some accomplishments, I think. And I'm not here to brag, but, you know, so the guy just dogs my, my work history. Then I send, he's like, well, have you done anything big? So then I send him big campaigns, Cream, The Wrecking Crew, The Find, Upstart. I send him those. He writes back, your name's not on these things. And I write back, I'm like, dude, I'm the agency. This isn't me, man. You know, so then he writes back, oh, I see, I see you, you got a pretty short fuse there. You get all, it's like, dude, you're like dogging my work. All I'm asking for you is if you want to call me, you can call me, you know? So I write back, I'm like, listen, man, live in fear but you're probably going to have a failed campaign or you can call me and maybe I can give you a couple suggestions. Guy gets all, gets his panties all in a bunch. He just throws this hissy fit. I'm like, all right, dude, next. I don't, 
you know, that attitude is why crowdfunders, uh, why some project creators don't, don't fund. You can't live in fear, man. You gotta, you know, you, 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 you gotta accept sometimes you might not be very good at something. And sometimes, you know, it's not a lie on the other end of an email or a phone call. And, I, and I'm that guy, you know, you can call me. So yeah, so that happened. Very, very annoying, uh, annoying thing this morning that I that I put up with. Um, so so daughter's sleeping pretty good. I got that going for me, which is nice, right? Uh, we're like two days in a row of my daughter sleeping through the night, so I'm fairly well rested. Uh, even though I had to get up early for the old church gig, but I'm feeling better. You know, getting sleep is very important. I, I, I underestimated it. And um, yeah, you need it. I'm telling you, we need it. So I was reading. I'm friends with a uh, company called CrowdSurfer Pro, which you guys should check out, or, or just CrowdSurfer.com, I guess it is. They have a, a pro account. And they, they put up a very interesting stat that I wanted to chat about for just a minute on when is the best time to actually launch a Kickstarter campaign or when, what time of the year is the most money being raised through Kickstarter? So, so this company just, you know, just is gathering data. They've been gathering it since like 2010. So there's just tons and tons of stuff. And I look at all the trends on the stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm huge into this, this, this tool and I'm constantly looking through it. Uh, but, but they put out a post today that it's actually the summer months. They saw a huge, and, and I'm looking at the data. It is a huge increase uh, in the summer months. There's my son coughing. I don't know if you guys picked that up or not. Yeah, there it is. That's, yeah, that's my son always coughing. Um, you know, and, and the winter months. So when you get into to December, January, February, that those were the least amount of money being raised. And it's something that we've, you know, this backs up are what, what, what my team believes is trends. We try to stay away from Christmas, you know, and, and reasons being, you know, if you launch a Christmas campaign and you've got pay-per-clicks out there, you are not going to be competing against the Targets and the Walmarts of the world. You're going to be paying huge in ad, ad spends to get your message out there. You, so you can't compete. And then when you get past January, it's just, man, I, I know for me personally, and I bet you if you guys think about yourself, you pay off that credit card bill from Christmas or, you know, you're, you know, you're just kind of getting your feet back under you. I don't have... I'm not thinking about giving money to a, a Kickstarter campaign. So it was very intriguing data, and I, I'm, I'm really I'm really glad that this came out. I'm going to be referencing it probably most of the week um, because, it, it you know, I, I talk about it in the webinar. I talk about it all the time. It is important to time this correctly. I, I told the story in my webinar. If you guys want, oh, by the way, if you want to sign up for that, just go to fuzzywenzel.me, and you can sign up for a, a crowdfunding webinar. Um, it's a it's me literally walking through everything I do for, for clients. It's it's great. So if you got a couple hours, jump in on that and uh and 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 watch it. But in there, I I, I was talking about how we postponed one of our clients' campaigns around um, um around the election just because we were like, dude, we know we're not going to get into the the news cycles. We're, we can't compete against Trump. <laughs> you know, it's just not going to happen. So important to think about launching these. Your, your campaign, um, you know, so the, again, so that you have the best chance of possibly funding, you know, that's the whole goal here, right? Not making stupid decisions, uh, doing smart stuff. So, so yeah, interesting blogs. I'm going to be talking about that later. 
Um, but yeah, so so I need you guys to do me a favor. This is that time where I, I promote myself. I'm doing it a little bit, right? So again, if you want more, right? You want more about crowdfunding and you want some more lessons, sign up for our new webinar. Um, they're on Tuesdays. We do them uh, 12 o'clock, 8 o'clock, Thursdays, 12 o'clock and 8 o'clock and Sunday nights. So you can sign up for those, spend the time with it. We walk you through tools and tips and techniques and tutorials and mindset. So you can go sign up for that. If you like the podcast, go tell a friend, uh, subscribe on iTunes, review us, you know, help us out, right? That would be awesome. Uh, and if none of that's for you, join our Slack channel. We've got great conversations going on over there. So, all right, let me, let's go ahead and kick in my conversation with Jeffrey Wittenhagen from um, his successful Kickstarter campaign, Nintendo Oddities in the Homebrew Revolution. I'll tell you what blew my mind about this conversation. I had no idea that there's a, a, a homebrew world. There are people still making games for the old uh, Nintendo systems, and they're just doing it from scratch. Blew my mind. So, uh, all right, let's go ahead and kick in my conversation with Jeffrey. Jeffrey, the red light's on. I see it. Yeah. It's podcast time. So why don't you tell my uh, listeners a little bit about your Kickstarter campaign? All right. So my Kickstarter this time around is NES Oddities and the Homebrew Revolution. Uh, It's a gaming book that chronologically goes through, and I'm covering all the NES games that are weird, wild, and that most people haven't played. So I've already written a book on the licensed NES games, the ones that you would have found in like a Toys R Us back in the Mm -hmm. day. Now I'm covering everything else, including unlicensed, PAL exclusives, Famicom games, which are Japanese games, but ones that don't require Japanese knowledge to enjoy. Um, Hmm. Famicom disc system games as well, and that same mantra, as well as all the NES homebrew games. And those are games that people make from scratch today they're still putting out new ones um, really absolutely there was 30 <laughs> released in 2016 um the irony was is i just finished like a upcoming game section and then that day which was last weekend a guy posted a new game <laughs> wow uh, and, if, and if anybody knows anything about InDesign, I already had the layout for a minute, so it's like, do I push right everything that I did? And the game was released in the seas, so it's called the Kalwitz Gamer's Second Adventure. And I'm like, that's in the seas, so that's literally moving over 100 games, redoing the entire layout. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and I'm using it as an example of how insane yeah. the uh, Humber community is. But it, it's one of those things where... You know, it's it's helped me in the past with crowdfunding and the whole community itself. And this is kind of my way to help give it exposure, let people know. And then I feel like, well, if, you know, more people find out about it and are interested in it, then they'll make more games. And sure. as a retro gamer, I win. So. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, it's a win-win. So fun. So fun, so, man. So what do you put in the book then in terms of content um, for these games? Uh, so for every game, um, and I have multiple different series, but this is one of mine that's more geared toward a comprehensiveness of covering everything. And so I'm putting in a minimalistic style 
every box art and a screenshot for each game because I always, whenever I see a box of a game, it differs, especially on the NES, from what the actual game is. Mm-hmm. So I like to differentiate as well as who the publisher developer is because that typically is different as well as how many exact players there are. So if there's 16 players in a game, I note that. Um, and there are in some games where you hand the controller to people. Uh, and also, <laughs> it's, it's insanity. And then um, I just go through and I write a small blippet about it. And the hard part about doing it minimalistic is that you have to be concise and get to the point. Um, and I try not to do anything like rate the game or give it a rarity level or a price. Because I don't want right. something that's going to change tomorrow or that's subjective. Because, sure, sure. That makes I mean, sense. Just because I don't love Color a Dinosaur doesn't mean it's not your favorite game. <laughs> so, right, just, right. That's just it. So, you know, if it's universally panned, I may note something about that or, you know, uh-huh. make, a, make a funny quip about it. But I, I try to keep it as positive and as fun as possible. And I figure if I write minimalistically, if that's a word, uh, <laughs> that I um, <laughs> that I just basically allows you to have your own nostalgia with it. It doesn't it's sure. not overblown. It's not the dissertation on how The Legend of Zelda is the greatest game of all time because a lot of people already have a positive experience with that. I mm-hmm. just try I try to make sure that people understand what all these other rare games are in the case of the NES oddities. So where is the starting point for this project where you started? I mean, I, I think you've, have you had, you've had three campaigns so far, correct? Yes, sir. And, 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 they're, all, and they're all kind of in the same ballpark, correct? Um, yeah, they're all, all of these have been in the same ballpark. I did have a couple Patreon campaigns, which oh, okay. apparently nobody goes on Patreon to do a monthly or a, a byproduct thing, except for maybe a magazine. Sure, um, right. So, I mean, I tried, and everybody was kind of confused on what it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, so so I guess, where did this sort of origin of an idea start to kind of come together? Um, obviously, I'm assuming years ago, but, like, where did you start going, ah, I think, uh, I, think I, I, sh- I could start documenting this? So, well, it started with that first campaign, which was the complete NES. And basically, I just wanted something that visually showed me every licensed game because I was currently completing my NES collection. And basically, I almost had a card-only collection, and I wanted to start getting all the boxes and manuals, and I kept getting the same manual or boxes I'd find them. And I'm like... I hate going through my app and flipping through it a million times. And if I can see it visually, it's a lot easier for me to keep track. So I was like, and I was looking for books, and there are people that have done some NES books in the past. It was just all text. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. well, I want to see the screenshot because a lot of times you'll see a game like Shatterhand, which looks awesome with the dude like punching at the screen. But I don't really remember what the screenshot looks like, or maybe I haven't even played some of those. Right, right. So I started to, you know, get it together and build it and the days before I knew InDesign as well. So it's very rudimentary. And as I went through that and how the NES oddities came to be was that I missed a stretch goal near the end where I was going to add unlicensed and PAL exclusives to the book. Hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. And they were already (laughs) written. Right, right. So... (laughs) You were there. So, well, I was there, but (laughs) I'm insane. Yeah. (laughs) Because I like, I built it and I look in there and I I learned InDesign in the time between the first campaign and then this one. And I I, like started to build it and I'm like, all right, so 
the unlicensed, the PAL exclusive. I'm like, it's 80 pages. And <laughs> my first book was 250. My Super Nintendo one, which was in between, is over 500 pages, plus a second book that was 250 pages. Wow. <laughs> so, wow. So I was like, well, let me add this and this. And I was going to do a separate homebrew book, but then I realized, and I talked with a lot of the creators of games, and they were like, well, if you make a homebrew book, it's only going to hone in on that niche homebrew collectors right. like, community. And they're like, and I was like, if I, what if I roll it into this other book so it's a comprehensive, holistic, everything that's not licensed NES book? And people were like, that's amazing. <laughs> and so it's like, and so I started adding more and more stuff. I mean, there's stuff that even in the intro I didn't mention that I'm adding. I added the Play Choice 10 and Nintendo Versus games, which are arcade games made by Nintendo that are essentially Nintendo games you can play on the arcade. Wow. And I used marquees and um, and these little toppers that go on the top of a Play Choice 10. There's this artwork that goes on top that is like artistic Mega Man 3 or Super Mario Brothers 2. Or And I actually was ingrained in some of the people in the community making these so I could get high-resolution art from that. That's <laughs> like cool. It's, That's cool. It's, it's been <laughs> insane. And so yeah. now it's already – I haven't finished laying everything out, and it's already over 450 pages, the book. Woo! And I was literally just laying wow. some stuff out right before we recorded right now. It's a, I'm constantly working on books and multiple books at the same time, mind you. Yeah, yeah. Well, let, let's keep let's keep backtracking here. Um, so let's backtracking. Up. Yeah. Where, where is the? Uh, what's the first NES experience for you as a as a as a human being where you were like, I'm hooked. I'm in. <laughs> so the very first one, and ironically, like I do run my own podcast, and I haven't actually told this story, so this would be oh, good. Sweet. Um, yeah. Uh, so I grew up with the Atari and had a Commodore 64 in the house. Yeah. And basically, you know, I most of my stuff was hand-me-downs, so I didn't have an NES until much later. So I went to, like, the neighbor's house when the NES came out, and they had the world-class track meet and duck hunt. And, yeah. and, like, I was sitting there until nighttime playing this stuff, and my parents couldn't even get a hold of me. Like, they were so angry. It's when I started getting getting in trouble because I was the, the, just going over to the neighbor's house and wanting to play the Nintendo at the time. And, you know, it was just things like Mario Brothers just blew my mind because you finally have this we can p- complete a game experience. Right. Before yeah. that time, it was get the highest score. It's arcade right. style, which yep. was yep. fun. But this is a new thing. <laughs> sure. So where'd you grow up? I uh, grew up in Northwest Indiana. Uh, Northwest Cedar Indiana. Lake. Yeah, really close to Chicago, like 20, yep. 25 minutes away. Okay. Was there a lot of stuff to do there, or was the NES just it just turned into like the most amazing thing in the world? Well, there wasn't a whole lot to do, but as you know, in the 80s, uh, parents sent our butts outside. Yeah, right, so, right, yeah. So we would go outside and play, and, you know, it would be going out in the woods. We had trails. We could do, you know, ride up uh, hills and do jumps with our bikes and get in trouble. And yep, yep. <laughs> super fun stuff. So, I mean, we were never bored, but, you know, it wasn't one of those things where I was in a giant met- metropolis either. So, you know, so as you're putting this book together and, and maybe even this whole series of books, mm-hmm. has there been any sort of major like pivot moments where you just couldn't do something that you wanted to do or, you know, it just couldn't happen how you wanted it? Was there any sort of uh, pivots like that? 
Well, besides for missing that stretch goal and wanting to make my right, right, and, and and you know, in that mindset, I'm just like, well, we didn't hit it, so let me move it to something else, so that way, you know, I stick true to the word. Because if once you start making, uh, you know, if I was like, oh, let me just add it anyways, it's like, well, then why are there stretch goals? Sure. So, yep. So I've I've basically evolved everything and and uh, moved it, and the hardest part was moving from not knowing anything about making books and making them in Microsoft Word <laughs> to, yeah. uh, to moving to InDesign and realizing that, um, you know, I had to do that. And if you if you, anybody looks back on my original one, you'll notice that my NES book was really expensive because I didn't have any knowledge of publishing except mm. for print-on-demand. Wow, right, Print-on-demand right. is really expensive, so that's where I priced my books from. Now, the same book, I can publish it for you know twenty dollars cheaper or i'm trying to get it down even more with subs mm-hmm. subsequent uh prints so i mean it's just one of those things where it, it was really hard to uh to make sure that you could i could budget everything correctly and i still messed up one major thing in my first campaign which is called international shipping <laughs> <laughs> the old international shipping yeah, yeah. Charging ten dollars yeah. for international shipping and ends up being sixty five. Something right? Yeah, I have heard that happen to a few people. Yeah. That was a three to four thousand dollar problem, and it, it hasn't went away yet. <laughs> so you know, so kind of the flip to that is what, what's been the moment over the last few years where I don't know, just you got that validation or the idea was just like, man, this is great. Like I'm building a whole like you know, a community around this project. Was there any moment though that you could look back and say like, that was it right there? I would say when it it was like 2015 was when I ran the NES one. And the thing was, that's not my first book. That's actually my second book that I didn't take to, I didn't take my first book to crowdfunding. I had a Mm. European publisher. Uh, The publisher went out of business as they published my book. So about 20 people got it. Sweet. (laughs) Big numbers. Oh, yeah. (laughs) However, I did get recognized by the video game community and Walter Day, who runs Twin Galaxies, and got Guinness Book of World Records during that event. And, like, a bunch of craziness happened because of that first book. But nobody read it. Right. (laughs) And so, like, the the crowdfunding thing, as soon as that happened, it it just from – it went from, like, one to a hundred miles an hour immediately and Mm. people all of a sudden knew who i was in the community certain people like were intimidated and you get you get those people that sit there and you know you get your what i call the multiple glass ceiling effect where you break through a glass ceiling there's other people holding you down from the next one and once you go past that one and there's more people and it's it's an insane thing because it's also a huge community and it's a very diverse community in in gaming so Mm. Like there's certain people that are out there producing content that just they're like, who are you? Right, right, right. <laughs> like, like I'm I come out here and I'm blowing past them producing my own content, and I'm just like, I'm just a gamer. I don't know who you are. <laughs> I just play video games, man. <laughs> like, it's just I, I'm just having fun with it. And you know, this is still just a, a secondary side job for me. I'm just OCD. So, <laughs> so the books are gonna come. Like, I'm right, just, right. And actually, this is kind of my solace. It's it's very peaceful to to work on the books and have somewhere to output all of my organizational skills to. Sure, sure. <laughs> hey, I get it, man. That's cool. Oh yeah, oh yeah. So so yeah, I would say it happened between then and then. Within the la- last year, I was invited to about thirteen conventions to do panels and symposiums and 
talk about different things. I've interviewed legends in the gaming community. It's it's been insane, and That's it's cool. all like meshed well with our podcast too. Sure, so I bet so. Oh, oh yeah, like the podcast has gotten a nice rub from that. It was insane. That's that's great. So so I remember back in the day. I mean, I obviously had an NES. I think I've had multiple ones in my lifetime. But you know, how many have you actually had physical? Like you had to go buy an NES to 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 play these games. <laughs> wow, uh, actually, not as many as you would think. Um, really, growing, growing up as a kid, I went through three because I I had one. Complained about the flashing because I didn't know about the fixes as a kid. Is, um, that, is that the rubbing alcohol? Is that rubbing is that, alcohol? Just thorough yeah. cleaning, really. Yeah, um, yeah. Got another one, and then eventually got the top loader uh, instead of a Super Nintendo one year for Christmas. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then from there, you know, I, I moved on to the Super Nintendo and sixty four, just like everybody else. I still yeah. kept my old Nintendos, and through process of work, moving around after uh, college and everything, um, I got reintroduced to my original NESs, and then I started to, um, you know, play it. A lot. And the homebrew, homebrew community was one of those things that actually reinvigorated my passion for the NES itself. And I actually have a Nintendo TV now. You know what that is? I, I No, I don't. <laughs> That's no. an NES oddity. <laughs> I am going to cover um, accessories and things. And so the Nintendo television is actually made by Sharp back in the day. It was sold to like Kmart and it has a Nintendo built into it. Wow. Yeah, and it's I, a direct connection, so it's the perfect picture on a CRT that you can get. <laughs> yeah, I did. I never saw those. I yeah. My mom and dad, mom and dad, never brought that home for me. Oh so. no, yeah, me neither. <laughs> I was so, a rental kid, hand me down style. Yeah. So um, you know this homebrew style. How does somebody even start this homebrew, like to make a game and put it on a cartridge for? <laughs> I, like how does that even start i honestly i've never heard about it until literally finding your campaign like i just yeah had no idea well and that's the thing like you've played games you're obviously interested in games and you still don't know about the that or the giant community there is and it's it's one of those things where the more people that know i think a lot of people are going to dig it and to program a game you have to program nes games in assembly code machine language the guys who do this are insane. Like they're yeah. they're really attention to detail oriented. They're extremely talented, and I mean they're just really creative on top of it. Because if you don't have an artistic aspect to you, the game's gonna just be a block on a screen. Like yeah. in order to make it a Nintendo style game, I mean you really have to be talented. And there's uh there's actually a documentary, and I'll, I'll plug my buddy's documentary that he actually had on Kickstarter and got funded, and then did another Kickstarter where it didn't do quite as well. But it was called the New Eight Bit Heroes, and okay. the film is almost out. He's looking to see how he's going to distribute it. It may go on Netflix or something, um, yeah. but it's more of a film. And he showed it at conventions last year because he finished it up, and is literally detailing how he makes an NES game. And really interesting he, and the people behind the scenes how crazy some of them are how cool some of them are and how really meticulous and difficult it is to program one little mistake can cause months of setbacks just in a game it's it's a it's a tough thing and i don't right. make games myself like i i just play them and enjoy their work and yeah i, f I feel like doing this I'm, I'm at least going to highlight people to what it is and just to put things into perspective there were a 
about 768 licensed games on the original NES during its lifespan. Okay. Uh, currently, yeah. I have over 560 homebrew games in my book. Wow. That's and crazy. I literally only know what I can find and what I know. <laughs> so there's well, well, more. <laughs> that was kind of my question. Where do you find even the old licensed games compared to the homebrew? Where, where is this world? Is it still eBay? Is it just online forums? Reddit? Where is it? All of the above. Okay. <laughs> All right. And you got to realize that the collector community right now has exploded, and finding Nintendo games has gotten very difficult and expensive in certain cases. And it used to be I would go to a yard sale and go, hey, do you yeah. have any Nintendo games? And people were like, oh, they're up in my basement or up in right. my garage. And they'd pull out boxes of games for me. Now they're like, you're the hundredth person that's asked, and it's 4 a.m. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's crazy. So, I mean, right now it's it's a combination of local game stores, which are starting to dry up a little bit. Um, eBay, but eBay's getting expensive. Yeah. And basically just luck. Man. I tell you what, after this call, I'm, I think I'm going to call my mom, who I talked to right before, and be like, you got to go up in my closet, pull it out, I'm going to have to I'm gonna have to play some Tecmo Bowl or something when I uh, come back down with my kids. Cause, Absolutely. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sure you've had this question, but what do you believe is the greatest NES game of all time? Well, I mean, I go straight to The Legend of Zelda. However, yeah. it may not be my favorite game of all time, because there is okay. that. Okay. I, I do enjoy some Double Dragon 2. Oh, I remember the Double Dragon. <laughs> and yeah. Double Dragon 2, I love that because of the introduction of the Hyper Knee, which is a special move that you can do when you land on the ground and you can launch your the bad guys flying and it makes this noise like, wow, and they go flying <laughs> across the screen. And if you have two people playing it, which my cousin and I grew up together, always played that game. And we literally can play it. And if you look on like Twin Galaxies, who do world records it, for video games, if you look on there, we can break that world record like intoxicated. Like it's we're, we just we can play that game in our sleep. <laughs> yeah, I think the one that uh, always stuck out for me was Battle Frogs. I think that was right. Battle Toads or Battle Toads. That's right, Battle Toads. Battle I haven't Toads. probably seen it in thirty years, but yeah, oh, Battle sure, Toads. Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, it's all good. Is it a good game, right? I'm in. I'm immersed in it, and so yeah. I know. Ex I know about it. But if you haven't seen it in a while, like it's like, oh yeah, it's Battle Frogs. Yeah, Frogs. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, I personally enjoy that game. A lot of people, especially on like YouTube, which is where there's a huge retro revival of people doing YouTube content, they always say, oh, it's the hardest game of all time. Like I used to beat it as a kid. I don't know. Oh, I never. I never beat it. <laughs> I just remember playing it all the time because I couldn't yeah. beat it. Most people, uh, most people couldn't, and I mean, but like, when I would play a game, that's all I would do is play that one game for like a week or yeah, know, the, the time I could rent it. And so the game to me is fun because it's a beat 'em up combined with you know some racing because you do those tunnel yep. races. Yep, yep. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Good game though. Excellent. Yeah, game. yeah. That's 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 the one. I, that's that's what I can think. It's still in my brain somewhere yeah. for some reason. I'm, it's still well, occupying some space. <laughs> Well, if, if you want to say the candid answer, it would be Super Mario Brothers 3 is what most people would say is the best. That's a great game. game. That, a it, great it's one. an amazing game. Yeah. I just never like to give the candid response because right, right. You know, I've played, now I've essentially played everything. So it's. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, what's I, the most, I, what do you think is the most underrated game that just didn't get the love, but it's just a great game for back in the day? Ooh. It's a tough one because there's a lot of games now that get more focus. 
I would say back in the day it would be stuff like I don't know, Ninja Crusaders or Shadow of the Ninja. Um, if you're familiar with the Ninja Gaiden series. No, uh, I don't remember that it's, one. It's a platforming game that's extremely difficult, but everybody loves the game. Um, those The games that I mentioned, Ninja Crusaders and Shadow of the Ninja, are two-player cooperative versions where you can play with a friend <laughs> at the same time going through. And one of them is really simple, being Shadow of the Ninja. The other one, you get infinite continues, but it's really hard, so you could slug through it. And I always enjoyed those aspects where you could, you know, keep working at it to beat the game. And both right. of those games are pretty underrated, and not a whole lot of people, even today, talk about those two. So, hmm. yeah. <laughs> now, now, are are you still playing on like the newer systems, the Xboxes of the world, and Playstations? Are you sick, strictly vintage here? Um, I play newer stuff as well. Um, with the you know the books taking steam and me moving my focus to that, I don't have any time to do anything that's not book related. But I'm still yeah. playing games because I'm writing about games. But right, right. Um, I mean, actually, ironically, within the last week, Double Dragon Four was released. I was just talking about Double Dragon Two, and they used the art style from Double Dragon Two, and it's outstanding. That that was on PS4 and Steam. So. Really interesting. Yeah, and the game plays just like the originals. Um, Actually, all three together. And, you know, you can play two-player cooperative. You can unlock the enemies to play as. Like, they've basically, they made the game for for people that have the nostalgia for it, like me. It was outstanding. That's cool. That's very cool. What do you think is the, is there a big difference between gaming back in the day and gaming now? I mean, obviously, besides just it looks and feels and you know all this stuff but but the gaming community from the do you think it's the same as the back in the day or is i don't know just just what's the difference between these two worlds oh there's there's a couple huge differences between then and now there's one thing called the internet that exists now. yeah 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 <laughs> i yeah. mean because you gotta think about it yeah, what's the internet <laughs> the internet is uh but basically what that allows us to do is that nowadays when you get a game we could literally go find all the secrets within a day of it getting released and i never thought about that i had to go buy the books <laughs> yeah or yeah. back in the day you had to go on the playground and find out where the yeah. magical flute was in the legend of zelda so you could get to the next dungeon now right. or sludge through it and play the game more which if you play the game more you get better at it so i i feel like now a lot of people play games quickly and move on whereas back in the day we used to sludge through things a lot longer and we didn't have as much variety because again with the introduction especially in retro games with the introduction of the internet we have every game at our fingertips with emulation and things right right it's a a way completely different world and of course the other side is internet gaming as well online gaming so you have a lot of people like even my wife who plays grand theft auto 5 and like she does, and she's basically a mob boss on that thing. She's a level two fifty or some ridiculously high level that takes years to get. And like she goes on there, and it's online only. So like now I'm used to couch co op. Like I like to sit at the couch with friends and drink beers, and you know, not back in the day, but now. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so uh, you know, so let's flip a little bit over to to the actual Kickstarter. What, oh, what's been the, so I mean, you're successfully funded right now. You know, with a you had a fairly um, within, modest goal within the first two hours, right? And you had a, you had a modest goal, but you 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 crushed the goal, and you've got a, I think a few more weeks. Or I don't have it in front of me, but I know you had some time left. Um, um, I just got over the first week. So. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got yeah. time. So what what 
in this campaign has been the difference between the last two campaigns? Has there been any sort of major differences? Well, I mean, as I do more books, more people find out, I build a mailing list. So people who have previously supported me know what's coming out. Sure. Um, and there are people that, you know, treat it as the Pokemon, got to catch them all with books or with mm-hmm. anything. They're, they're collectors in general, too. And if they enjoy it and I have released and they've gotten my books, like, sort of like, oh, he's doing another book. Yes. Like, they've been looking forward to it. Um, I've also learned some techniques, too, as I've been doing it. So um, I didn't know the first two times, really, that on a marketing perspective, that you could release a preview link to a Kickstarter beforehand. Mm, And like before I gave it to a couple like buddies that are like, Hey, how do I refine this? Like, am I missing anything this time? I published it out to the community a month early and let them all bookmark it and star it. And that was one of the things that I was just, I was basically letting people know it exists a month early. So then when it came out, they're like, Oh, finally. And then they can, they get on there. Instead right. of having yep. the slacker backers that that first month when my Kickstarter's running, they forget until it's done. And they're <laughs> yep. like, oh, yeah. Uh, like, you know yeah. that happens every time. Like, yeah, I was going like, to back at that. I forgot. Absolutely. And, Thanks. you know, I, yeah. And, and I, I obviously I'm using a backer kit afterward, which I, I started with my last Kickstarter. And I make it so that way immediately it goes to backer kit for the slacker backers and everything. Cause, oh, that's I cool. mean, to this day, I have the link for my Super Nintendo one that was my last Kickstarter, and I have a link going to my store, and I can see like people are going to my Kickstarter and then going to my store to find books. Like it happens cool. now, and it's almost been a year. That's great. It's <laughs> really insanity. great. Oh yeah. So so I've I've learned a lot of I've uh, evolved uh, as <laughs> I'm doing it, and I just I just feel like as more people find out, and that's like the hardest thing is I feel like yeah I'm doing like quality work and i like what i'm doing it's just letting other people know it exists and that's yeah. the hardest part like yep. having people know it's there right yeah that yeah Absolutely. yeah that's why i think there's marketing agencies out there you know you always got to keep tapping the people hey we're here we're still making this we're still making yeah. this that's cool so um I, w- I was also wondering too did you have any sort of um like a pre-marketing strategy outside of you know the the, the like the preview link but did you do any pay-per-clicks or just more mostly email you know what was kind of like the, the main strategy um so i as i said i attended 13 conventions so mm-hmm. when i went to these conventions i made sure people knew i was coming out with another kickstarter in the uh, early early 2017 um, so that way, those people, you know, got a hold of me. Um, I'm part of about a hundred social media groups, all retro gaming related. Uh, I'm a participating member on Nintendo Age and Nestev forums, which Nestev make NES homebrew games. Oh. So, like, I, I'm heavily involved with all the gaming communities. Um, I, also, Atari Age and other ones too. But with this one, obviously, it's Nintendo related, so I'm not going to go to Atari Age and post about Nintendo. Um, so, and then on Facebook itself, I you know have a lot of friends that are pretty um, pretty prolific in the YouTube community. Um, so, like, basically, if they post about it, they have 250,000 subscribers on YouTube. That helps. Yeah, big time. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, even if they just post on Facebook, hey, my buddy has this Kickstarter, go check it out. Like, if people check it out, that's cool. And if they're interested, you know, that's cool, too. And that's one thing. If you ever see me at a convention or anywhere, I don't ask one person to buy anything because I feel like if they're interested, they're going to buy it. Sure. Um, If not, I don't pressure people because, you know, I understand, like, always growing up on a budget, I understand. 
Like, not everybody has the cash. But if they are, I'm here, and I have amazing quality books. <laughs> cool. So, uh, you know, when, was, when did you first start getting into the convention world and, like, going and attending them? So, I attended a couple. I actually attended one in Florida many moons ago where I set a world record on Super Punch-Out! in the Super Nintendo. Oh, nice. <laughs> Live. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, that's another reason why I got recognition for my when i wrote the first book they're like oh yeah you broke that record and then they, i got a trading card from twin galaxies you know it's like pretty insane yeah. um but basically after my the nintendo kickstarter um was funded i got contacted by a few and they're like hey you want to come out as a guest and i didn't even think about that as a thing until that point and so I went to, that one was Retro Game Con in Syracuse. I went out to that one, which was the first one I was there as a guest. And then 2016 happened and went to 13. Now it's like, I, I basically could go to one every weekend, but I don't have the, not, not necessarily the budget, but the time, because I need to work on my books. Sure, like, yeah. That's the thing. Like, if I, I did that, the, even with the 13, it was tough to uh, get my Super Nintendo book out. And I got it out early. But I had a second book get funded, which I already hit the second book stretch goal for this campaign as well. So I have to work on two books instead of one for the NES oddities. And I do have a second book that's different than what I'm doing for the oddities. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit on how you're using stretch goals then to kind of fund, or not, not, not just fund this campaign, but but to keep the kind of the project going. Yeah. Is, how, how are you thinking about stretch goals uh, when you're putting these campaigns together? Well, well, as I mentioned, like the... The first campaign I did, I didn't really understand it too well, so I was like, oh, I'll add this section, I'll add this section to the to the book. And so now, everything that's integral to the NES Oddities book is already there. And so, stretch goals are giving people cool stuff like, oh, here you can get a bookmark for your book, because people want a bookmark. Um, <laughs> and you can get stickers, or... And then I put in there, like, alright, so at this funding rate, which I had 15 this time, 15 grand, because 5 grand was my funding goal, and at 5 grand, I I can do a small print run and even if it's funded at five grand i'm good because it's i still can do a print run right and that's yep. that's cool um and at 15 i can fund with how many extra backers there'll be and how many extra prints i have to do with the first book at 15 grand i can print a second book at a moderate pace which sure. is good sure. so basically now people can get a second book and i added which was actually with my patreon a lot of people wanted to do it was the ability for people to contribute to the second book their own personal nintendo stories oh, so if cool. you're talking about your battle battle frogs you <laughs> right, right, yeah i still about, can't beat it ah <laughs> and you can absolutely tell that story and other people will connect with it because i did that with my super nintendo one it's called the super nintendo compendium now it's going to be the nintendo compendium and it's going to allow people to tell their personal stories it's also going to allow me to talk about stuff that doesn't fit the mold of the other books so for example if somebody takes Super Mario Brothers and cuts Mario's head off and you play the game without a head, like the, a hack. I don't have a section for hacks in my books, but there are some really good ones out there. Really wow. good ones. So, like, it's stuff like that I'll, I'll be able to highlight. Um, I'll also be able to highlight some of the other stuff people are doing. Like, there was a guy who um, wasn't successful on Kickstarter, but he's still going. To, he's still working on making it a reality. It's called Goofy Foot, which is basically a backward Nintendo controller. Hmm. <laughs> and okay. it does have some merit in the Tetris, the competitive Tetris community. Um, and there is one of those, a competitive Tetris community. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, I actually um at Portland Retro Gaming Expo, there was over 20,000 people attending. I did the commentary in the finals for the Tetris World Championships uh with a guy who was in the Nintendo World Championships back in 1990. <laughs> wow, you want to talk about going down a rabbit hole? We are I, down a rabbit hole right now. I always go down the rabbit holes. <laughs> That's what I do. Go, yeah, we call yeah, it down the river. Down the river. Yeah, yeah you're down it right now. <laughs> just flowing. Uh, but but yeah, so like basically though, you know, I just <laughs> losing the train of thought is great. Uh, I, I just enjoy writing about everything video game related. Yeah, and, it's and awesome, it's man. Just, it's just fun and you know, I've been all through the community and going to all these conventions and it's just been it's been madness that's cool <laughs> so i saw on the kickstarter page the cover artist you want to talk a little bit about is it philo is that his name Fi- philo Bornhard. yeah 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 who, who is this and what is he doing for the for the project okay so i met philo Barnhart at a gaming convention um in pittsburgh and basically i saw his artwork and i'm like wait you worked on dragon's lair which is an arcade game in the in the 90s, 80s, the early 80s, mid-80s, mid-80s, that it's basically on a laser disc. And so it's Dirk the Daring, and it was animated by Don Bluth. Um, and he's like, yeah, yeah, I worked on Dragon's Lair, Space Ace, and Dragon's Lair 2, which are all in that same mantra. And he's like, I also did artwork for The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast and The Secret of Nim. And wow. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> this is over sake at a gaming convention. <laughs> like, we're drinking at the bar afterward. And I'm like, holy crap. I'm like, well, I, I just, you know, I always bridge the gap. I'm like, well, what do you think about uh, possibly doing a cover for one of my future books? And he's like, I would love to. So Philo it did the cover, which is the cover that's the main artwork for it. Now the the main campaign one is actually his demo art, where it was the outline of Mario. And then if you go to the campaign page, it, he's actually finalized it now, where he's finished up drawing every piece of it, and it shows like a freaked out Mario looking at a crazy stuff on the screen, which is the oddities of Nintendo. Yeah, right. Yeah. It was his own take on it, and that's what I love. I was like, give me your take on it. That's great. And, you know, to talk about the homebrew revolution, so you put your game here on a pink cartridge because something that's cool about the homebrew community is people make colored cartridges. You make it any color you want. Right, right. Absolutely. <laughs> cool. And, you know, he changed it all up and I let him do his whole interpretation of it because, I mean, he's a prolific artist. Like, yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Super cool. And that's not the first, like, big artist i've had he's the biggest for sure but not the the first big artist because my first two cover artists for the kickstarter campaigns was a guy who does garbage pail kids oh nice (laughs) and i met him at a twin galaxies convention back you know from that first story that i told you about where i got the trading card from the Uh world all of that correlates to building and Getting into, I need to go to Kickstarter with this thing because I just met the guy from Garbage Pail Kids who I didn't know was from Garbage Pail Kids and agreed to do my cover. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I was like, holy crap. Like, And he's, he does them now for Garbage Pail Kids. It's insane. That's, that's crazy. Yeah, I was just thinking that, that they are still around, aren't they? The Garbage yes. Pail Kids? Yeah, I, I, I thought I saw those the other day because I think, I think they popped up on YouTube on my son's iPad and I was like, what are... Is this what what decade am I? Where am I in time? Like I was like I'm in a weird position in time right now. Is this real? And yeah, he was like looking at him. It was weird. Retro is the world you live in now because it is <laughs> it is a trendy thing. It's to right. 
I mean, you got to realize that everything comes in. It's a style type thing. So right now, everything from the late 80s, early 90s has come back into being cool. And, you know, it's because we're all now in our adulthood, have expendable cash, want to relive our childhood. And what better way than to buy up all the garbage pail kids and Nintendo games we can find? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that's what we're doing. (laughs) That's right. That's cool. There's there's definitely a big sect of people doing it, though, for sure. Yeah, I know. It's great. Yeah, it's awesome. So I I was wondering, do you have any, like, licensing issues that you might have to deal with at all with, like, you know, Mario's image or anything like that or or not? Absolutely. Um, so I wasn't really tracking any of that with my with my first book until I talked with Joe Simcoe because he does parody for a living. No, oh, okay, so, right. So he he started his career doing you know just taking everything and making it their own. So basically, if it's the artist's own rendition, then I don't run into any issues within fair use. Um, also, if I take the picture myself or get permission from somebody who took a picture of a game in their collection, I can essentially make an analytical book about things. So mm-hmm. when I do the NES oddities, when I did the complete NES, Super Nintendo, um, I'm doing, you know, writing reviews about the game. So the review aspect keeps it within fair use limitations. Now, some publishers won't, won't, wa- they won't deal with it at all. Um, other sure. ones are like, yeah, you're good. Um, and I've had lawyers look at it and they're, and like ones that deal in video games and stuff. And they're like, oh yeah, you're a hundred percent good. If somebody wants to, you know, make a big stink, they could, but nothing would happen from it because you're a hundred percent within fair use limitations. That's cool. And I'm like, yeah. I was just wondering that it was just popping oh, my yeah, head. No, no it's <laughs> definitely something with my first one. People are like, oh, that's craziness. And, and the thing was, is that, um, there were two books that were taken down on Kickstarter. Oh, really? And it was, and it was because they were using images they didn't ask for permission from. Uh-huh. And the thing I always put out there is, hey, I contact every single person that I use images for. If you don't get back to me, let me know, and I will put your name in there. I put their name in the pack anyways. Right. <laughs> like, I give right. them all credit. But it's like, it's one of those things where I'll... I'll definitely give you the credits. Never an issue. And I, and if you don't want it in there, I can always find something else. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Have you ever, I, has, has like Nintendo ever reached out to you at all for just what you're doing? So they haven't reached out to me for like licensing or wanting to be involved with it, but I did have a lot of Nintendo employees buy my books. That's cool. Hey. <laughs> so there's that. That's yeah. why I, that's why people ask me, are they going to shut you down? I'm like, well, they're buying my books, but um, the legal department, I, I mean, basically, yeah. you know, I'm I'm essentially giving them free marketing for all their right. own stuff because I yep. mean, I'm yep. I'm writing about it in a nostalgic factor. I'm not yeah. dragging anything through the mud or and and actually within fairies you could, but mm-hmm. I'm I'm still I want to keep it in a positive light because I want it to be a fun thing. Sure, yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. That's what, just me. What What was your thoughts on that? The was it the reissue that's out right now that you can? What is it like sixty bucks? It's like the micro version where you get the games. What was your thoughts on that? So. I mean, from a collector standpoint, uh, it doesn't do anything for me, but I love that it came out because there's people like you who haven't seen it forever. And at 60 bucks, you can go get it, plug it into yep. a brand new TV and you can relive your nostalgia playing 30 great games for the Nintendo. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, like to me, it's just, you know, it brings about more people that are, you know, get to relive their childhood. Um, the only for- unfortunate thing is, is that they haven't released enough stock to like keep it in Walmart so people can see it and buy it. Like right now, it's people just buying it up and selling it on eBay for a hundred, two hundred dollars. Yep, yeah, that's unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it it got me. I was like, oh, I can't wait to get it. I got to play some of these games, and I didn't happen. 
Yeah. I'll keep waiting. I'll keep waiting. Yeah. Well, they're, they're going to restock it. It was the same thing when Nintendo did the little figurines, the Amiibos. Um, for a while, that same thing with the limited stock happened. But now they're like all over the stores. And yeah. there's nothing such as a rare Amiibo. And it'll be the same thing with the NES Classic. Yeah. So you've got 21 days to go. You've already funded. What's the mindset right now to kind of keep this, keep the momentum and the energy up? Is there any sort of strategies that you're doing right now? Um, so I'm doing things called podcast interviews. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you're, yeah. I forgot about <laughs> I that. I don't even know about that. This is my third one this week, actually. Good, good, good. How did you get out? Why are you on my internet? Where did you come Wait, from? where am I? <laughs> um, I'm doing that, though, just staying active in the community. I have, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Discord chat. I have not, no. Uh-uh. Yeah, I hadn't until a couple weeks ago, but basically it is a gamer's chat. And I have in there now uh, stuff for my books. So people can go on there, people that have backed the book, fans and contributors can go in here and actually just chat about it. I'm posting things about, like I said, I have a podcast interview right now about yeah. about, about the crowdfunding and everything about the campaign. Um, so I'm doing that. I'm also, um, for actual marketing purposes, Facebook ads, simple, simple stuff like that, just to make sure that it stays out there so mm-hmm. I don't have to keep blowing up every single great gaming group saying, hey, go to my, <laughs> right, right, right. Go to my event. Um, and, I, and of course, I have my giant mailing list of people that have supported my books and i every time something really cool happens i'll push it out there and for example i'm doing the best of nes homebrew box set with this campaign which is the top is the top tier it's actually 12 brand new games in a wooden box with custom that's cool drawn by an artist like like it's super cool and there's still two left but i got one of the games late and i literally put a um a label on it saying it was called it's called get him gary i put i put on a sticking of get him gary and put it on a pink cartridge and that's what i used for the campaign pictures and made fun of him for it because he didn't send it to me in time (laughs) the actual game came in the mail so like hey the game came in (laughs) so that i'll push out and people are like laughing and you know keeping it fun is is the hard part and you don't want to just keep on saying go to my link go to my link because that's i'm not gonna do that so nobody else is gonna do that so like I, I just got to get creative with it. And I like to, since I'm building it in InDesign, it's really easy for me to take a screenshot and go, hey, here's the game that I'm working on now. Look at this insanity. Have you heard of it? That's Yesterday cool. was a samurai penguin um, <laughs> called Dickie Penguin, but P-A-I-N Gwen. And it's a platforming game where you're hitting, hitting like soldiers that are shooting at you, but they're all Nazi soldiers shooting at you. And you're beating the crap out of them. And it's, and there, but there's parallax scrolling, which is like, three four different planes of animation on and this game was made in 2004 wow i'm like wait there was games in 2004 like that like that was, it blew my mind and i was playing it. and you know i'm learning about this stuff as i'm doing it too and it's given me a better appreciation for the homebrew community too which is crazy that's awesome well that's awesome jeffrey let's we'll wrap this up i think i got one more question so sure. if you're on a desert island and you had to pick one one system, the NES, the Super Super Nintendo, the 64, and a game, what would you pick? Well, I would probably just pick my favorite game of all time, which is Legend of Zelda The Link to the Past for the Super Nintendo. Um, yeah, <laughs> the I, Super I, Nintendo? I, I could literally play that game a million times over in a million different ways, and it's so fun. That That would be the game I would bring with me. I think I have that for Bond on the 64. I've really spent a lot of... A lot of life, a lot of, lot of brain cells went into that game. Uh, Have you played yeah. it recently? 
No, I haven't. No, oh, I mean, I haven't, oh. I haven't played it since so, high school. Yeah. So, so that's that's my complaint, and I think that maybe it's just simply that the nostalgia for the 64 hasn't hit me yet, but um, it's it looks very dated compared to even Nintendo Super Nintendo. Like, the really? polygonal aspects of the 64 don't really hold up, but... There are game genie or action replay codes for the 64 where you can turn off this dithering thing that they had on the CRTs to smooth the graphics. Uh-huh. And on HDTV, it looks cooler. So I haven't really? tried that yet. <laughs> I've heard I that. I, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I want to wet my whistle in that first. And then maybe <laughs> we'll, we'll find out. Um, yeah. And, and I mean, the fact is, is that every single Kickstarter, I let the backers vote on what they want next. So a 64 book may be in line. Genesis was voted with a Super Nintendo book. So I am working on a Genesis book too. It's just this one was like, well, this one's almost done. And then it turned into a madness of 500 pages. But wow, neither here nor there. But <laughs> but the Genesis one will be the next in the complete yeah, I had a Genesis. I had some uh, more sports games on that. I think I had Bill Walsh's football on that. That's what I remember from that day. Yeah, Genesis was all about those mature games, which turned out yeah. to be sports games. And <laughs> yeah. I, I liked Mutant League hockey and Mutant League football. I remember that. I remember. Yeah, I played some Mutant League hockey back in the day. They, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they had little like monsters on skates. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, absolutely. Right well, cool. Well, Jeffrey, thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to to talk about your your successful Kickstarter campaign, your books, the NES. Awesome, awesome stuff here, and I'm really glad we got. I'm really glad we got a chance to talk. It was awesome. Super fun, man. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much. All right, how about that conversation with Jeffrey? Who out there knew about homebrew Nintendo games? I don't think very many of you, because I know I have never heard of it. Uh, but man, it's, it made me. I, I call. I wanted to after this conversation on Friday last week. Call my parents. They've located my NES. It's up in my closet. I think I'm going to have to bring that maybe home. I don't know. I don't know if it's going to work real well on the big screen TV, but uh, I got to play some uh, some Tyson's Punch-Out, some Contra. Uh, I want to play some... What else do I want to play? Some uh, some Battle Frogs or Battle Toads. Was it? Oh, Battle Toads. That's right. I forgot about that. Battle Toads. Man, maybe some Track and Field, Duck Hunt, Mario Brothers, Super Mario Brothers 3 probably is the greatest game of all time so a song we're listening to is a song called in the color blue again wrote by myself and uh my partner jake and uh, this was on our 2008 album the sugar people which you can find on spotify or um i think you can buy it online still and you know what i'll probably get 89 cents or something if you go and buy it so yeah so uh enjoy the song and talk to you guys all later in the week
in your mind or in a book? Is it clear or made of words? Do you look to inner outside worth? 'Cause you know if you look around, there's gonna be a lot of things that displease. Smile.